At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. Well, let's continue to worship the Lord as we open the scriptures this morning. As I mentioned, we are once more in the Apostle John's first epistle. We often refer to this as just a fancy letter for, or fancy word for letter or letter of truth. First John, we're going to be in chapters three and four, kind of jumping around. If you want to follow in your Bible, turn to the book of Revelation at the very end and start working leftward, and you'll pretty quickly see First John. We're going to be bouncing around chapters three and four. Doing something a little different, had to call an audible. Um, Normally, we work through a passage of scripture, just one chunk, and try to sort of break it down. But uh, this week, I was in quarantine for most of the week in my basement by myself. And uh, whenever that week started, I thought, man, I'm going to be so productive. The kids are away. But about day two, my brain turned to mush and um, it's still probably recovering a little bit. Um, so I had to call an audible, doing something a little different. But uh, I pray the Lord would, would bless this word that he has for us this morning. So 1 John chapters 3 and 4, I'm just going to read four different verses, and then we'll dive in. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. Chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love... The Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us. Chapter 3, verse 24. And by this we know that God abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given to us. Chapter four, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in God and God abides in us because he has given us his Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Love, love, love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. In the summer of 1967, the Beatles released their flower power anthem, All You Need Is Love, a song that soared to the top of the Billboard charts, a song that epitomized the hippie culture of the 1960s. We don't need a lot of money. We don't need a lot of possessions. We don't need a lot of power. We don't need good looks or education or awesome experiences or great talent. All you need is love. This simple and powerful message captured the hearts of music fans 50 years ago, and it captured my heart 15 years ago, or 20 years ago, when I first started listening to the Beatles as a 15-year-old. All You Need Is Love was one of my favorite Beatles songs for quite some time. And I think this song, and many others like it, I think the reason they are compelling and powerful is because they resonate with something Deep within us, all of us have a deep core longing to be loved, to feel love, 
to know we're loved. And so we hear that message sung to a nice tune and we think, yeah, John Lennon, you're right. All I need is love. I don't need so many of the other things I chase after, wealth, accomplishments, power, popularity. At the end of the day, at the end of my life, I'm not gonna care about that stuff. I just need to know I'm loved and I'll be okay. There's something really powerful about that song and its message because there's something really true about that message. The question is, where do we find the kind of love that will truly satisfy and settle our hearts? From whom can we find lasting, transformative love, love that really fulfills that core desire? For many people, their search for love is limited to the human level. If I can find a human partner with whom I can share intimacy and affection and connection, then I'll have what I truly need, love. But as wonderful as receiving love is from other people, the message of the gospel is that we need something more. We need something better because human love is broken and limited. And so we need divine love. Eternal love, perfect love. We need God's love. We need the love of our creator, the love of our heavenly father. That's all we need. And the unthinkably wonderful message of the gospel is this, that to believe in Christ is to know God's love. To believe in Christ is to finally find what we've been looking for, to finally find true, lasting, deep love that we've been looking for. And we're going to look at a few different places in this letter, as I read for us, just kind of jumping around, and we're going to see three ways we experience the love of God, three ways we experience that which we need most. God's love. First, we see this in the heart of the Father. We experience God's love. We know God's love because we know the heart of the Father. So since the very start of Christianity's existence, we have embraced the truth that the one God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, And as we look at what the apostle says about God the Father, what we find out is that his heart is for his people. He is not a reluctant, begrudging, grumpy old man. He is gracious, generous, open, giving father to his people. So let's look at one of the ways John captures this for us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, as I read earlier, here it is again, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. So you see it right there, clear as day. God the Father has given us love. Now, he could have given us a lot of things. He could have given us justice. He could have given us what we deserved and treated us according to our sins. It would have been totally fair. 
But he gave us love. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. And then the verse goes on. See what kind of love. This is the kind of love he's given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. So you see that. God's love makes us God's children. Other people may call us failure. Other people may call us sinner. We may even at times call ourselves unworthy, no good. But the Father in love calls us his children. One of the only television shows that Meg and I have really watched all the way through and enjoyed together was this show called The West Wing, all seven seasons. Normally, our tastes are quite different, but we watched each one of these seasons and really liked it. Well, it occurred to me three or four seasons into watching this show that each character in the show at one time or another was getting a few episode arc that really explored that character's relationship with their father. And for each of the characters, there was some kind of brokenness in their relationship with their dad, and there was some kind of longing to reconnect and find healing in their relationship with their dad. Now, understand that The West Wing was a show about the fictional, pres uh, the fictional presidency of Jed Bartlett, played masterfully by uh, Martin Sheen. And the show was about this fictional president's staff that worked in the West Wing. So it wasn't like this was a show that particularly centered around the significance of fathers to their children and particularly concerned family dynamics. No, the writers were just telling stories about these people. They were just telling stories about these characters. And that's one of the narrative subjects they kept cycling back to for each one of these characters. Brokenness in their relationship with their dad and a longing for healing and reconnection to happen. And when I saw this happen over and over again with each of the different characters, it was like my eyes were opened and I started this, seeing this same theme everywhere. Whether you're talking about animated films like Lion King or fantasy films like Star Wars or even goofy comedies like Zoolander or Elf, the circumstances of these stories are very different, but at their core is a son or daughter who's got brokenness in their relationship with their dad, and they've got a longing to reconnect with their dad and experience the love of their father. Now, why do so many of these stories explore brokenness and longing in the father-child relationship? It's because so many of us experience brokenness and longing in our relationship with our dads. The writers of these stories know they can draw us in with these stories because we've been through these stories ourselves. There's nothing more natural than to want to know we're loved and accepted and affirmed by our Father. There's nothing more natural than to want to know my dad is proud of me. And yet for so many of us, we miss that. And now we long for that. 
And the truth is that even for those of us with the best dads in the world, we've still got holes in our hearts. We've still got insecurities related to believing whether or not we're truly loved. That's just the nature of our fallen, sin-infected world. And that's why what the apostle says here is such good news. God is love because God is Father, the Father. And when we're restored to God through Christ, we experience the satisfying, strengthening love of the Heavenly Father. He gladly, graciously, proudly calls us His children. So what about you? Are you as insecure as Derek Zoolander? I don't know if you remember that really weird comedy with Ben Stiller. I do not recommend it, but I've seen it. But behind all the jokes was a story about a guy who was deeply insecure because he was estranged from his dad and he didn't know if he loved him. You have those same kind of insecurities? Or are you as aimless as Simba? You remember in The Lion King? Mufasa dies and Simba just starts wandering around, purposeless, hakuna amatada-ing away life. Are you lost like that? Or are you as incomplete as Luke Skywalker, trying to figure out, who's my dad? Who am I? Well, that insecurity, that aimlessness, that incompleteness that we all feel to one degree or another, the answer to it, the thing we need is the love of God. He has the heart of a father towards us as children. Three ways we experience the love of God, the heart of the father, and secondly, the sacrifice of the savior, the sacrifice of of the Savior. Now, as I studied this the last few days, it seems that in 1 John, most of the references to God's love for us are references to God generally or to the Father specifically. But there is one verse that very specifically points to the love of God the Son, the love of Christ for us. And we actually looked at it a couple of weeks ago, but it's well worth more of our attention. It's 1 John 3.16. Not John 3.16, which is also a great verse about God's love, but 1 John 3.16. Let's look at this. The apostle writes, by this, we know love. In other words, this is how we define what love is. That Jesus laid down his life for us. John says, Jesus' sacrifice is the definition of love. By this we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us. The Father shows us love by calling us his children. The Son shows us love by dying in our place. Our sin deserved death. Our idolatry, our hatred, our lust, our greed, our selfishness, our arrogance, all deserved death. And Jesus had none of that stuff. He was perfectly loving, perfectly righteous, joyful, peaceful, and yet, innocent as he was, traded his life for ours. He laid down his life for us. He lovingly sacrificed his life in our place. 
One of the innovations of modern medicine that most blows me away is limb and organ transplants. I remember when we lived in Louisville, Kentucky and driving around the university hospital there in downtown Louisville, there was a sign celebrating that this hospital was the first one to successfully transplant a human hand. Can you imagine having someone else's hand? And there are other amazing parts of the body that can be transplanted like pieces of our eye. How incredible let alone liver and kidney transplants, which you more normally hear about, but still are no less mind-blowing that doctors can do this stuff. But imagine being the recipient of one of these bodily gifts, and maybe some of you are transplant recipients. When you receive one of these transplants, you have a constant reminder that you are what you are because of what someone else gave up. You have what you have because someone else lost what they had and sacrificed it for you. Well, brothers and sisters, this is not unlike what Jesus has done for us. He transferred the penalty our sin deserved. He transferred it from us to himself on the cross. We are what we are. Forgiven, redeemed, cleansed. We are what we are because of what he gave up, his very life. And we have what we have, eternal life. We have what we have because of what he gave away. Imagine being the recipient of that new hand. That new hand would be a constant symbol of someone's sacrifice for you. Well, our symbol of sacrifice is the cross. That's why we put it on necklaces and stamp it on our bodies through tattoos and hang them on our walls in our homes because the cross is a reminder that we are loved. We are loved with a sacrificial love because here's what's gonna happen, church. Satan's gonna throw at you all kind of lies that you are not loved, that you are unlovable, but you can tell him wrong lie, go back where you came from. The cross is proof that I am loved. As Ben read earlier, God demonstrates his love in that Christ died for us, not when we were cleaned up, dressed up, nice little Christians. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. While we were still drunk, the hangover hadn't passed and Jesus is hanging on the cross for us. The addiction's still there, and Jesus died for us. Even while we were still sinners. So you tell Satan, go back where you came from and take your lies with you. I am loved. The cross is proof. The cross is proof. Three ways we experience the love of God. We're not done. The heart of the Father the sacrifice of the Son, and the presence of the Spirit. The presence of the Spirit. Let's look at this. One of the key aspects of the newness of the New Testament is that God gives us His Holy Spirit in remarkable measure. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit was given to a limited 
amount of people for a limited amount of time. But one of the key wonders of this age in redemptive history is that God gifts every believer permanently with the Holy Spirit. Everyone who trusts in Christ receives the Spirit and experiences the nearness of God's presence as if they were sitting right there in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament temple. So let's see how John puts this in his letter. There's actually a couple of verses. First, look at chapter three, verse 24. The apostle writes, and by this, we know that God abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So this is how much more exponentially we experience the Holy Spirit under the new covenant. God abides in us by the Holy Spirit. This is what theologians refer to as the indwelling of the Spirit in the believer in a way that's analogous to how God's presence dwelt in the tabernacle under Moses and in the temple under Solomon. Now God's Spirit dwells in God's people. Next, listen to 1 John 4.13. John says something similar, but he adds something more. He says in that verse, 4.13, by this we know that we abide in God and God abides in us because he's given us his spirit. So here, not only does he say that God abides in us by the spirit, but that we abide in God. So this is what theologians refer to as the mutual indwelling of God in the believer. God abides in us and we abide in him. We mutually indwell one another. Now this is heady stuff. This is hard even to conceptualize, but the short of it is this, church. God is near to us. God's presence is with us because he loves us, because in a sense, you can't love someone if you're not near to that someone. And our loving God is near to us by the Holy Spirit. One of the most heartwarming, tear-jerking things to watch on the internet, I'm sure you guys have seen these, there are these reunion videos of when a soldier has been deployed overseas for however long, and then they'll surprise one of their loved ones by coming home earlier than their loved one thought they were. So for example, they'll set up a hidden camera in a sixth grade classroom where there's this daughter of a soldier there. And the teacher will say, hey, for our next lesson, we've got a guest teacher who's going to share with us. And the guest teacher was actually this little girl's dad who's not supposed to have come home yet from deployment. Well, the daughter sees her dad, her face just beams, she loses it, screams, run into her dad's arms. The classmates are cheering, the teacher's crying, I'm at home watching this YouTube video, boo-hooing myself. I mean, if you need a good cry, just watch one of these videos. There's even some where it's like a montage, they got like, 10 of them back to back and it'll just rip you. But what these clips show us is that showing love has got a lot to do with showing up. Being present. Being near. And church, the promise of the gospel is that the Holy Spirit 
dwells in us through faith in Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the apostle says that we are a spiritual household. We are where God lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle says that we are temples of the living God. We, our bodies even, are sanctified by the presence of the living God in us. Love has to do with presence, and God is with us by the Spirit. And I wish it weren't true, but there are a lot of circumstances in our lives where we are not going to feel God's presence necessarily. In fact, we may even feel forsaken. We may even feel a particular absence of God's presence, and we may feel powerless to face trials, and we may feel powerless to face temptation. But despite what we feel or don't feel, the truth is God is with us through thick and thin, in victory, in failure. The living God is with us. His presence sustains us, and it's not through some hyper-spiritual experience whereby we receive the Spirit. The apostles are clear. We receive the Spirit of God through faith in the Son of God. If you want to experience God's presence, trust in God's Son. Surrender your life to Him, and He will give you Himself by the Spirit. Love, love, love. Love is all you need. All you need is love. There's something profoundly true in those lyrics. The creator God who is love, he made us to be loved and to share love. And though our search for love may lead us to seek love through romantic partners, or we may seek it from the accolades of accomplishment, or we may seek it from the affirmation of our peers. Ultimately, the only way to satisfy our empty love tanks is in God himself, the heart of the Father, the sacrifice of the Son, the presence of the Spirit, the fullness of our Trinitarian God communicates to us that we are loved. Christian, you are loved. In your sin, you are loved. In your suffering, you are loved. In your brokenness, you are loved. When you don't feel like it, you are loved. When you do feel like it, you're more loved than you feel. So, beloved, that's what he calls us. Those who are loved. When we finally get to that day where he takes us home or we go home through death and our eyes first behold the glory of the Lord, my beloved, first thing we're going to hear, and all the fear and all the shame and all the pain and all the doubt and all the misery, it's going to be as far from us as the east is the west. And we are going to experience a heaven of love. That's what we need. And we can experience it now. Trust in Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit through faith. Experience the power and presence of God in your life to help you face your trials, to help you overcome temptation, 
And I want to extend to you as one of the leaders of this community, as one of the pastors, join this community of love. It's what we want to be. We're not perfect at all. But we'd love for you to be a part of this movement of love. That is the apostle's point. Throughout this whole letter, here's his ultimate point to these churches and to us. As recipients of God's love, as recipients of God's amazing love, we are now called to show that same kind of love to our brothers and sisters in Christ and ultimately to all people. We are those who finally found what everyone's looking for, love. True, deep, committed, sacrificial, transformative love. We've got it from the Father, in Christ, and by the Holy Spirit. So let's show it to one another and to our community. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. See with what kind of love the Father has loved us. See what kind of love with which the Father has loved us. God, that's what we've wanted to do this morning, is to see with the minds of our hearts, to see and know and understand and receive your love. God, thank you that your heart is to draw us into your family, is to welcome us in. God, thank you that Jesus gave it all away, laid it all on the line for us. And God, we thank you for the powerful presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We are grateful. Father, I pray, open our hearts, work by the power of your Spirit to open our hearts so that in the deepest, darkest, shadowiest parts of our souls, your light would shine and strengthen us where we're insecure. Make us whole where we're broken. Give us purpose where we're lost. God, you can do this. Convince us in the depths of our hearts that we are loved. God, only you can do this. And so work in us, continue to work in us as we look at your word, as we seek you in prayer, and as we grow as a community. God, do this and make us the kind of community that is a city on a hill, that is the light of the world, and shows Lapeer County and beyond what you can do through love, through us. God, do this great thing, we pray, for the glory of your Son, and in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.